0: Are you ready?
1: Yeah, let's start the show. Okay.
0: Hello, and welcome back to The Hills Are Alive, a movie musical podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Kelsey. And Merry Christmas, everyone.
1: Happy holidays.
0: Happy holidays, yes. I'm a server at a restaurant, and I can't tell you how many times I get corrected for saying Happy holidays by like angry people who are think that it's a war on Christmas or whatever.
1: Yeah, I don't, I just don't understand that because Christmas is included yeah. when you say happy holidays.
0: And ha- I feel like happy holidays started as a way of it not, it wasn't even about like other denominations or whatever. It was, it was about the fact that you have Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. It's just like talking about the holiday season.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a silly debate. Um, I would say up there with the debate over Love Actually. <laughs> and is it a good Christmas movie or not?
0: It's not.
1: <sighs> anyway. <laughs> All right, moving along.
0: All right, we'll move past Love Actually now. Uh, this week we're discussing uh, a movie that I only saw for the first time last year. and I Oh, think, really? Yeah. And I, I thought
1: this was like a big one for you. No.
0: No. Um, and you just, this was your first time watching it, right? My first time. Uh, so we're doing Meet Me in St. Louis, mm-hmm. starring once again <laughs> the iconic Judy Garland.
1: Ms. Garland.
0: Mm hmm. Um, so I want to know, we haven't talked about it at all. Like, there's, I have no None. idea, I have no idea what your feelings are about it. So. Do you
1: want to, do you want to
0: guess? Um, I, pro- I, I m- okay. How guess how you feel?
1: Yeah. G- do you want to guess what letter grade I'm going to give
0: it? Oh, your letter grade.
1: Just as, you know, I, I won't ask you to guess my precise opinions, but just a general...
0: Um, C plus.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, I enjoyed it better this time watching it than the first time because the first time i was like what is going
1: on yeah you felt like you were um, just able to enjoy it and go along for the ride
0: yes yeah exactly so i think it might have i think i was probably about where you're at um uh, i think it might have gone up to like a b minus or a b for me
1: yeah there's really nothing wrong with it
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean the worst thing i can say about it is there's not a lot of substance right to this film it doesn't really say anything Yeah, it's hard for me to watch it without there being a Little Women comparison, just because it's you know the four sisters, right? Um, And Little Women, they they are all so much more ambitious Mm -hmm. and successful and driven and independent than um, the women and the girls in this film. Yeah. Now that being said,
0: (laughs) they're not psychopaths.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the little one is nuts, and yes, I love her. Uh-huh. I mean, I would like a whole movie just about
0: Tootie. She has got some morbid thoughts.
1: And can we talk about that name, Tootie? Tootie. I just, how did that ever become a name?
0: But, I mean, it wasn't explained if it was, that, if it was like, short for anything, right?
1: It is a nickname, because I noticed in the credits it had Tootie in quotes, oh, but right. it didn't have her real
0: name. Right.
1: And then I read somewhere, um, this movie is based off of a collection of short stories right. that were eventually adapted into a novel of the same name. right? And the woman that wrote the short stories, or, and or the novel, um, it, it was sort of based upon her childhood and her nickname was Tootie.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so it was, and an, I, I don't know Ever- why I didn't pay attention to what her real name is.
0: <laughs> I think it's Susan. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah,
1: that makes sense for 2D, of course.
0: Oh no, Sally, Sally Benson.
1: Well, that's not any more helpful.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I feel like it makes more sense as like short stories and just like little vignettes about life yeah. in, at the turn of the century or whatever. Yeah,
1: I do like. Um, you know, I, I like the the window that it opens into. Life in St. Louis, Missouri in 1903. Right. Um, You know, the the clothing is pretty. Mm -hmm. Turning on and off all the gas lights and the beautiful Victorian homes and the World Fair. I mean, it's, yeah, it's nice, but. And I
0: feel like at the time when the movie was made, you know, and when the stories were written, it was like nostalgia, you know, this was 40 years prior, so this would be like someone now writing something about the 70s, you know what i mean?
1: Yeah, that's true. I think you might be right. It must be the nostalgia factor. I I don't know that it's pleasant enough to warrant like the kind I'm, I don't know. I don't want to make it sound like it I don't think it deserves any recognition or praise. Right. But I'm not sure that i fully understand why it's, you know, 100% rating, no bad reviews. Yeah. Second highest or maybe highest grossing film of the 40s.
0: It was MGM's highest-grossing musical of the
1: Yeah, 40s. But, it, I mean, uh, overall... Yeah. Or, no, in 44, it was the, the second. highest or second-highest-grossing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's in the Library of Congress. Right. I don't know. For me, it's just another kind of run-of-the-mill
0: yeah, I 1940s mean,
1: musical. The movie
0: itself is fine. I, th- I think that, uh, as with other things that we've talked about, it's held in this high-regard... A, because of Judy Garland, and B, because of that it brought us Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, watching Judy Garland in this, it's undeniable that she has, there's just something about her. Yeah. She has that star quality where when you watch her when she's singing um, The Boy Next Door, I mean, she's just, she's so beautiful, and her voice is so velvety and, like, rich, and... Uh, yeah, there's something very there's something that like draws you to her. There's something very enchanting yeah. about her presence on film. Yeah. So I get that.
0: And also, I mean, it's her breakout role as not quite an adult, but like a you know, as a romantic lead.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um it's nice to see her in a more mature role compared to Dorothy. Yeah. In The Wizard of Oz. Um and also speaking of The Wizard of Oz, I will say this movie kind of shed some new perspective for me when it comes to The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Like, that movie, Wizard of Oz, it looks so incredibly modern when you compare it to this film, which actually came out five years later. Uh-huh. It's kind of, like, shocking to me how out there The Wizard of Oz is compared to this, which yeah. is very... It's just, yeah, it's very tame. It's very mild. Like, today, I feel like Meet Me in St. Louis would be a
0: Hallmark movie. Right. I mean there's there's no stakes. No. <laughs> um, and it's one of the most like tied up in a bow endings that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um but it makes but that's the thing that makes you feel good at the end, you know, there's like everybody gets what they want.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say I tried to keep track of my favorite things and that wasn't hard to do because as we been discussing the whole movie is just nice things yeah so my first favorite thing all the beautiful victorian homes yes oh my gosh
0: it's gorgeous it's gorgeous um did you did you i I saw something about this and i forgot to write it down about where um uh as far as like being on location in the uh, outside the house and everything where that was filmed
1: i actually was not and admittedly i I didn't do as deep of a dive as maybe i should have but uh i did not come across a whole lot of like content on behind the scenes or the making of right um whereas you know for a movie like the wizard of oz and most of the other ones we've done there's there's been books you know more info on that yeah (laughs) yeah on this one not quite so much
0: yeah i mean there was um i saw something about it that this was a real street somewhere it looks um, like it. I mean, yeah. those
1: houses are huge. Yeah. They, they have to be.
0: Um, but they were saying that uh, for the most part, the house is filmed from a lower angle.
1: Mm, to so make it look grander.
0: Make it look grander and to make it see it how it would be viewed as a ch- as a child.
1: Isn't it crazy that they're just like middle class? Right. And their houses, <laughs> just huge. I mean, their- it would be like a three, it, at least $3 million home oh. today. Probably way more than that.
0: And they've got Katie.
1: Oh, yeah. Katie. She's funny. <laughs> yeah. Katie the maid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. So we, we open in the summer of 1903.
0: Uh huh. And we've got the beautiful title cards, as usual, with the overture and the gold frame around the credits and everything.
1: And this is where I, I really noticed how, I don't want to say outdated, but maybe old-fashioned yeah. I, the movie really is. It's just the whole, um yeah, the whole vignette is very... Not then yet, but the whole title card. It's just, it's gaudy. Yeah. (laughs) You know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, that's hearkening back to, uh, what is that style called? Um, Like the Art Nouveau thing that was happening at the time. You know, everything was very.
1: Excessive.
0: Excessive and ornate, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, it was made in, you know, the mid 40s when modernism was starting to happen a little bit more mid century stuff. And I feel like that was intentional as far as, you know, like I said, providing the nostalgia factor back to the sort of Victorian Edwardian era. And you know, I'm
1: mentioning, you know, it was the mid forties and I'm sure nostalgia was extremely important in that time, you know. Totally. In the middle of World War Two. Yeah. Um, people were probably very desperate for simpler times right
0: and especially i mean especially going back to a turn of the century before and either of the wars had happened you know the
1: depression hadn't even happened right yeah
0: a simpler time Mm -hmm. um so yeah summer of 1903 and we are making ketchup
1: and it's very watery.
0: <laughs> it looks very thin. <laughs> like, was all
1: ketchup like that? Back I don't.
0: Then? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Katie says it's too sweet, and I tend to agree. I think ketchup is extremely sweet, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, Lon comes in. This the one and only son, yes. named after his father, Alonzo. Mm-hmm. Lon comes in, says it's too flat. Whatever that means.
0: Uh huh.
1: And then Agnes comes in. Agnes is the third daughter. Yes. And she comes in dripping dripping wet after a swim and she's singing Meet Me in St. Louis. Yes. As she she, uh, comes inside, she goes upstairs and Grandpa is also singing
0: Meet Meet Me in in St. Louis.
1: Louis. Basically this was the song of the summer.
0: Right. Oh three. Uh huh. Song of the summer.
1: Yeah. It was like their Montero.
0: (laughs) And I mean, I don't know if they've revealed this yet, but basically they're all looking forward to this huge event that's coming to their city. the
1: Which did happen.
0: The World's Fair of
1: 1904. Yeah. And it, it, that year it did actually take place in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have some notes on that that I'd like to touch on when yeah. we get there yeah. at the end. Yeah, sure.
0: Um, so uh, Esther, who is Judy Garland, comes home with a group of her friends, and they are also singing. Maybe in St. Louis as they yes. <laughs> arrive at the house. <laughs>
1: and Esther is the second eldest daughter. Right. And then we have Rose. She is the oldest. Mm-hmm. So Rose, it goes Rose, Esther, Agnes, Tootie. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know where Lon fits in, but somewhere I th- in there.
0: I feel like he is the oldest because um, he's he's already talking about going off to Princeton.
1: Honestly, the and... movie could do without Lon. Right. But see, I wasn't I was not clear on their ages because Mrs. Smith, at some point in the movie, uh-huh. says that Rose is too young to marry, and then Katie, the maid, and Esther refer to her as an old maid.
0: And I feel like that might have been a joke.
1: I guess so. It's hard to, to know
0: <laughs> right?
1: when. <laughs> When it's supposed to be funny and when they're being serious right. um when it comes to the whole like the dating rituals and right. um all of that. Yeah.
0: Cause I because I feel like Judy Garland was like being over dramatic. It's like she's almost too old, and Katie was like making fun of her and be like, Yeah, she's practically an old maid. Yeah, and Katie's
1: she... pretty sarcastic. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, there are other movies, like, for example, um, <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. <laughs> like one of the nightmare scenes is Mary's become a librarian, <laughs> and she's, she's like, about
0: to close up the library. She
1: wears glasses, and it's just like the she, worst thing that she's could got happen. Got a unibrow. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, when it with these types of movies, I or older movies, I'm never quite sure if they mean it or not.
0: Right, it's hard to tell just based on you know whatever was the.
1: But they they do talk about Rose going to college. Yes. So it does seem. It, I'm sure it was a joke, and that, um, you know, she's there was one... she's not even 25
0: yet. Right. There was one scene where they were talking about like it, it, it set it out a little bit more clearly when he was talking when he first when Alonzo first talks about moving to New York, um, and and they're all like and it, this is where it seemed to set it out a little bit more clearly. It was like, Esther is going to be a senior, and Rose is going to graduate. And then we know that... Um,
1: She's probably 18. Right.
0: And we know that Lon is going to Princeton, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. They, seem, they all seem very close in age. That
1: Mrs. Smith was yeah. pregnant for a long
0: time. She had to take a break after Esther.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, anyway. Uh... So, they
0: drop off Esther, and she talks to Rose um about this phone call that she's supposed to be getting.
1: Esther then conspires with Katie. Yes. Or she's conspiring with Katie to try and get dinner pushed up an hour earlier so that Rose can take a phone call from Warren Sheffield uh-huh. who they think is going to propose to her over the telephone. Right. Which Katie objects to. Yeah. Specifically being proposed to over an invention. <laughs> And you know what? I got to say, I agree with Katie on this yeah. one. I would not want to be proposed to over the telephone in 2021 or in 1903. Right. And Although it, in 1903, I might think it's a little bit
0: and, cooler. And I mean, this is like new technology. Like, what is like the newest thing that we have these days? I don't know. We've. It would be like, I don't know. Like someone's going to, she's going to, he's going to propose over snapchat or something i don't know <laughs> yeah that would be
1: yeah i would strongly object right. to that <laughs> tiktok proposal
0: so he's supposed to call at 6:30 so they're trying to do dinner at 5:30 so they they have made this plan to try to move dinner uh sooner and uh and rose comes home and sees um the boy next door.
1: John Truitt.
0: hmm
1: Just smoking a pipe in the front lawn. hmm You know, just standing, hanging out, putting himself on display for the cute girls next door, I presume.
0: Uh-huh. So she and Esther go decide to just very casually go out on the porch and look at him a little bit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, it does not get his attention. No. At all. They go back inside um i think at this point they oh yeah that he's
0: lived there for like three weeks he's only been there three weeks
1: yeah. and i mean it's very obvious rose or esther's feeling for him so rose tells her well look i can get my friend to invite him to john's going away party right so that is the plan
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and then she she rose finds out that they're going to eat early and she asks esther what's going on And I do like this exchange. Um, And this this went towards my confusion about how old she is as well. Yeah. Because, um, so Esther tells her, well, we're going to give you some privacy to take your phone call. And she acts like she doesn't care about it at all. Right. Esther can't understand why. And then she says, well, when you get to be my age, you'll understand that, you know, life isn't all about boys. Right. I'm like, well, how old are
0: you? And that's the thing is like, is this a joke, too? It must be a joke. Where she's like, I'm so mature, but she's only a year older than her, you know? Yeah.
1: It must be a joke. It's just, it's hard with the delivery. Yeah. Because everybody maintained this, like, very proper way of speaking at all times. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no, like, sarcastic intent behind their voice. Right.
0: And maybe that was a thing that was more, uh, I don't know, obvious
1: I guess. I don't know. Yeah, probably so. Um, And then Judy Garland sings her first big song of the movie, Mm -hmm. The Boy Next Door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is the scene where I was just like, okay, this is Judy Garland's real star power coming through.
0: And, I mean, every song that she sings in this movie became a standard. Yeah which is insane it's great you know when you think about the uh cultural impact of that um but yeah she looks beautiful they i mean i don't know if we want to get into this right away but i mean the way that she was lit and made up and everything and her hair and everything was very carefully planned
1: mm-hmm. yeah they've got that soft lighting and then mm-hmm. you know this one was technicolor as well yeah so, like her hair especially really stands out yes. against her super duper pale skin yeah um so then we go to we're back in the kitchen katie is bottling up the ketchup and she's like literally like it's pouring like water yes it, it looks like ketchup juice
0: yeah it looks like tomato juice
1: yeah, yeah but like pinker yeah that's probably the technicolor yeah it looks disgusting but <laughs> that's neither here nor there oh yeah actually the grandpa who he's very charming throughout yeah. as well yes he says it's too thick like was that a joke because it's clearly very tomato thin. water yes. I don't understand comedy.
0: This catch-up is really confusing.
1: Um, okay, but this next scene is legit funny, mm-hmm. um, but in a, in a really dark way. This is where Agnes... Oh, God, yes. Agnes um, shows up and she asks Katie if she's seen her cat, which we uh-huh. later later learn is named Lady Babby.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Babby. Babby. <laughs> And um, Katie, just playing around, says that she she did see the cat. It was in the way in the kitchen. So she kicked it down the cellar steps and that she, quote, heard her spine hit every step. Which is, uh, okay, like that's very dark. Mm -hmm. But this is a line where it's it's clear that she's joking. Yes. So they did understand sarcasm back then, and they were capable (laughs) of it. Then Agnes just escalates it real fast, and I wrote all of this down.
0: Thank you, because I just said very graphically.
1: (laughs) She says, if you've killed her, I'll kill you. I'll stab you to death in your sleep, and then I'll tie your body to two wild horses until you're pulled apart. Whoa!
0: Yes. Agnes and Tootie both have very violent tendencies. Oh,
1: my God. And all of the adults are just like, (laughs) kids. You guys
0: are so cute.
1: So silly.
0: Oh, God. Um, So I'll
1: just go ahead and say, that's my favorite thing number two. (laughs)
0: Like,
1: you know what? (laughs) This movie has its moments, and that's one of them. Yes.
0: (laughs) I mean... Eat I love it. it. I had not remembered that line going into this and <laughs> was surprised again by it.
1: Yeah, it's a treat. Um, it's also quickly followed by another uh, much more mild but entertaining exchange where, um, With you know, they, you, well, they tell her that they're going to tell them that they're going to eat early. Oh, yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, it is Tootie. And Tootie's, or no, it's Agnes. It it's Ag- still Agnes. It's Agnes. Yeah. She's like, well, I can't. Get hungry till it's dark. And Katie says, Great, you can eat blindfolded. <laughs> like, I, I love a no nonsense made. Yeah. As tropey as that is, it probably wasn't quite as much of a trope. Right. Mm, then again, it probably was.
0: Well, in the, yeah, I think it was. Yeah.
1: Um. Anyway, moving along. Uh, Tootie
0: is on a wagon with Mr. Neely.
1: Tootie is delivering ice and. The first time we meet her, she's riding on the back. And um yeah, she is funny. Yeah. She's a little precocious five year old. Um oh yeah, this is when she <laughs> explains to Mr. Neely that her doll is gonna die.
0: And which a lot we hear we we learn that lots of her dolls. Are
1: buried, yes. yeah, and she buries them in the graveyard, yes, <laughs> in the actual cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> and in this doll's case, um, she has four fatal diseases, <laughs> but the funeral is going to be beautiful.
0: Yeah, 2d so is very has a very morbid disposition.
1: Yeah, and I I have to wonder is this because I don't know death was just. Treated differently back then. It was a more common
0: Maybe, thing I mean, that
1: people just accepted. But I mean it's nineteen oh three, not the sixteen hundreds. Right. Like I- yes, it's not, you know, modern medicine like we know today, but it they also weren't like
0: Yeah. I mean it's hard to tell because like again, the family just treats it like whatever. Yeah. When they talk like that.
1: Yeah, there's zero concern yeah. over um Tootie and Agnes's like very strange attachment to death and murder yes
0: um i mean i think it's supposed to be funny and you know t- it's just it's just disturbing <laughs> it is
1: funny though it's funny um okay oh and i also like this scene because um 2d finally she's the only one points out to mr neely just in the middle of their conversation that it's not saint louis it's saint louis right And he's like, well, I have a cousin.
0: It's spelled that way, and it's Louie. And
1: she says, she's very, this is great. This is brilliant. She says, well, is your cousin a city? (laughs) No. Is your cousin a saint? No. Well, then the comparison isn't valid. (laughs) Damn, Tootie. True. Um, So, yeah, we love Tootie, even though she's a psycho. Back at home uh esther is singing she's singing that same song again i think they're, yeah she?
0: they're singing Me in saint louis yeah um at <laughs> there's
1: that. only one song in this whole <laughs> movie that's another thing i should mention that i wasn't crazy about just the fact that they only sing this one song over and over and over
0: right mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways i found um. it a little distracting <laughs>
1: Yeah, um uh, they're singing the song Mr. Smith comes home. Uh, yeah, he's a lawyer blah blah, he blah, says, blah blah.
0: Stop that screeching. Yeah. He's very much like the trope of he's the a business dad. Right. Yeah. Of the, you know, frustrated with everyone dad and, you know,
1: I work hard to provide for you, and that's why I'm an absent father. Right. Yeah, that kind of thing. Right. Um, And he also demands that they eat at their regular time, because he needs to take a cold bath.
0: He needs a bath. He's also, to me, very handsome.
1: Really? Yes. Oh, wow. No, I didn't even cross my mind. Oh. If I had to pick the most handsomest boy in this movie, I guess I would pick... um, John Truitt,
0: Warren is pretty handsome too. Mm,
1: not my type. Okay. He's he's uh, I don't know. He's got a very strong jawline that makes mm-hmm. him look like an asshole.
0: I mean, he does look like a Yale man. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. That's what he looks like. He looks like he rose crew. Uh-huh. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Just not for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said he's uh, about Alonzo. I said he's handsome and a lawyer. <laughs> what a catch right. and uh, <laughs> and uh, and so they they decide to tell him that you know that they're doing dinner earlier and they're blaming the whole thing on Katie
1: well Katie but, did
0: tell them is that, is that was it her idea to say that it was yeah. her oh okay I didn't catch that or
1: it was Esther's idea Katie goes along with it then. yeah yeah
0: to say that she had some sort of family issue that was right. going on
1: right uh, he's not having it so whatever yeah um even though Anna points out she's worked for us for ten years and she never asks for anything, yeah. But okay, all he's right. Like, well, then Alonza. she can give me
0: her notice. <laughs> right, <laughs> he's kind of a jerk. Yeah.
1: Um. So they have dinner at the same time. Thankfully, Rose is not the slightest bit sensitive about the pending
0: phone call. Right. Everyone Warren else. Shuffield. Everyone else cares more than she does. Um. Seemingly. Cute
1: little funny moment. You hear a clatter upstairs, and Tootie goes, "Oh, that's where I left my other skate, <laughs> or that's where I lost my skate." Um, so yeah, when he comes back down, he's still in a pretty bad mood. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie tries to rush through dinner. She serves soup and immediately takes it away once she's done one lap around the mm-hmm. table. Um,
0: but he wants dinner to be leisurely.
1: And I noted the soup that they're eating looks like it's the ketchup. <laughs> it does.
0: <laughs> but he says it's very delicious.
1: Yeah. Um. She she brings out the
0: the what is it corned, corned beef. beef
1: and cabbage yeah. in the middle of the summer, mm-hmm. which sounds gross.
0: Well, she she actually mentions that.
1: Yeah, when, but it's they, we don't eat meat in the summertime. Yeah.
0: Well. Yeah. He. She was like, All right, that's dinner after the soup. And he was like, What about what about the dinner? What about the meal? And she goes, No one wants to heat eat hot meat in the summer.
1: I mean, not <laughs> corned beef and cabbage. Right. Is that that's like the uh, St. Patrick's Day meal, right? Yeah. 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 Oh. So I, anyways
0: So they um begin to slice the meat and there's a phone call.
1: Yeah, and okay, so <laughs> This, this whole thing is unnecessary, but I guess it shows us that Alonzo is, you know, your typical self-centered head of the household. Right. Um. The phone call comes through, he takes it, and he's like, what? No one's calling me from New York. Reject it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And no one speaks up, I guess, because it wasn't polite right. for a lady
0: well, and, but,
1: to correct a man or something. But
0: Anna says, she was like... Kind of under her breath. It was like, other people can get phone calls other than you.
1: I know. I just didn't understand, like, before he hangs up, like, why didn't someone say, oh, it's for me? Right. Yeah. You know, it's
0: like. Because obviously, like, when it came down to it, he didn't really care. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: And, like, they didn't know if he was going to call back. And there was no way yeah. or no
0: chance that she was going to call Warren. Ch- Anyways, right.
1: it doesn't matter because he called back.
0: Yeah. He called back and he lets me once he calls back, they've told him what's going on. And he lets her answer the phone.
1: Yeah. And and the phone call is pretty funny um, because, as you noted, it's brand new technology. <laughs> she she just, like, starts yelling immediately. Yeah, You know, like an old person would do on a cell phone today. Right. Um, so that's pretty funny. They don't really manage to have any conversation because yeah. they're just shouting, I can't hear you. Yeah. Um, but eventually it becomes clear that... He is not calling her to propose. Right. So she as soon as she knows that, she's just like, Okay, gotta go, bye. Mm-hmm. And
0: um and then es- tries to
1: pretend like it it doesn't bother her at
0: all. But Esther says, Well, I bet you'll be the only person at the party who had someone to call them just for the weather.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> she's trying, it's sweet.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, trying to cheer up her sister. <laughs> Uh so alright. Then we move along to oh it cuts to the letter invitation to John Truitt. Yes. Uh for the party, which will take place Saturday next. Yes. So now we're in the first week of September mm-hmm. about. Um Rose and Esther are getting ready for the party uh-huh. when John arrives.
0: And Esther says, I think I'd let him kiss me tonight.
1: And Rose is like,
0: <laughs> girl,
1: Nobody lets a man kiss them before they're engaged. And um oh yeah, she says, don't want the bloom to be rubbed off.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs>
1: but Esther is like, well, I'm gonna marry him anyway, so right. who cares? I'm gonna some, kiss him. She
0: says something about her bloom, like I don't remember. Oh, what she's it like,
1: is. I think I've bloomed enough already, right. or something
0: like
1: that. <laughs> um So downstairs at the party, this scene made me laugh out loud. <laughs> There's a girl who brings her violin, and Esther, or Rose, one of them, is just like, oh, you brought your violin. How nice. (laughs) And I'm sure back then they genuinely meant that because music was different. You couldn't just, you know. It
0: it seemed like lots of people brought instruments. Yeah. There's that trumpet girl.
1: But still, like, it just makes me think... You know, my, my perspective on that is like college party and this dude shows up with his acoustic guitar and is like, Oh, <laughs> oh great. Oh <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. That's awesome. That's... <laughs> Play Wonderwall yeah. one more time.
0: Oh, he's playing wagon wheel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, anyways, we're at the party. Uh-huh. This cool girl brought her violin. Lon introduces Esther to John Truitt, and Esther plays it real
0: cool. Mm-hmm. She's like, I hadn't even noticed you moved in. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and then... <laughs> You should, oh, you live in the neighborhood? <laughs> um, I did also note that, like, this other girl brought her trumpet. What, yeah. What the hell? Um, and <laughs> that's when Lon comes over and he, like, rips it from her hands.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Enough.
0: But she's like kind of the butt of the joke of this whole party. Mm-hmm. The trumpet girl. The
1: trumpet girl. She's
0: the one who like falls on her butt at the end of the dance. Look, a
1: violin is one thing, but a trumpet?
0: Okay. Um, um, t- Jessica brought her trumpet again. <laughs> God, she
1: goes everywhere. About um, so, yeah, they kick her out. They don't kick her out, but they're just like, enough, you're done. Right. And then Lon starts playing, it's either a banjo or a mandolin, and they sing and dance to Skip to Uh Maloo, which in 1903 was a song for adults. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: Then Tootie and Esther do a really cute... Um, I think it's called "Under the Bamboo Tree." Yeah, because, it's like a little vaudeville. Because Tootie
0: and Agnes have have like snuck down to the party.
1: Oh yeah, that's right.
0: But and before they do "Under the Bamboo Tree," Tootie says, "I want to sing. I was drunk last night."
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, she sings. At first, she says, "I want to sing. I was mm mm last night." Right. I guess you know it'd be bad to say drunk. Right. And um, I think it's actually Trumpet Girl that convinces them to let her sing because she's just too darn cute.
0: Uh-huh. And this is a common thing throughout this movie. We're like, Tootie, you naughty girl. It's, <laughs> you bad, you wicked girl.
1: It kind of... Okay, so this... It reminds me of... Um, I used to volunteer for rock and roll camp, which I know you did once or twice. Yeah. And basically that's where you just like go hang out with kids uh you know formed their own band for the first time right. they write their own songs and it's adorable mm-hmm. um and amazing cuz they're all super talented and they also always need volunteers yeah. so shout out to yeah, yeah Tennessee Teen Rock and Roll Camp mm-hmm. look it up anyways youth
0: empowerment through arts and humanities <laughs>
1: yes one year we were talking about you know the 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 choir group the singers mm-hmm. always do like one song like modern pop song of the summer performance and i can't remember who suggested it but somebody was like i really wanted them to do chandelier by sia Mm -hmm. but it's like a song about alcoholism like the chorus is like one two three drink
0: yeah yeah and we can't have the kids and i heard that that the imagery was not about was not happy imagery about hanging from the chandelier
1: right 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 yeah exactly (laughs) yeah but i mean beautiful vocals yes
0: but might not be appropriate for kids. Exactly. Just like I was drunk last
1: Unless night. you're 2D. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Anyway, so yeah, they do some pretty cute little numbers.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then uh, party is over and Esther, because she's smart, she is hidden
0: mm-hmm. John mm-hmm. Truett's
1: hat. It's like, well, where
0: could it be? How
1: strange. Let me go find it. It's
0: in the kitchen with the raisins. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they've got like a whole barrel of raisins <laughs> that she's hidden the hat in and the raisins, because you know they're sticky. Uh-huh. They like get all in his hat and they're just like, huh, that's weird.
0: He's like, Well, how'd these raisins get here? I'm like,
1: hmm. I'll let it go. Who knows? Um, she asked him, you know, so anyways, her her ploy her her plot to get her and John alone has worked. And just as he's about to leave She's. She tries one more attempt to get him to stay, and that is help me turn off the lights, right? Because there's so many, and I get yeah. scared of mice or something,
0: mm.
1: uh, which they do. Um, it looks like she's gonna get her kiss until
0: until he says, well, he says that her perfume is lovely, and she's like, oh, thank you. It's called Essence of Violet. He's like, smells just like my grandma. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then uh, he <laughs> shakes hands with her to right. say goodnight and says, you've got a mighty strong grip for a girl. Right. Which, uh, it's not the sexiest <laughs> compliment.
0: Right. He does say that, he like, says, for what it's worth, you don't need any beauty sleep. So that was nice. But then he shakes her hand. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so the next day, about... I think it's the next day. Uh, Esther is waiting to board the trolley.
0: And is this like the inaugural run of the trolley or something? I don't know.
1: I don't know where they're going or why they're all getting on the trolley. It seems
0: like they're, it looks like they're hooking it up or something. I don't know if it had just been, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it was not clear what the trolley was about. I know they were going. Like, I think they were going to where the expo was going to be held. Right.
0: To, like, look at the fairgrounds or whatever. So yeah, Maybe
1: it was like a new track had been laid or yeah. something. And, you know, there's not a lot going on. So yeah. all the teens are really into the trolley.
0: Yeah. And she gets on and everyone else is singing uh, the trolley, tro- started to sing the trolley song. And she's not into it because John's not there.
1: Right, right. Uh okay, so the trolley song.
0: uh-huh
1: Let's let's talk about it. Because yeah. it's a big one from yes. this movie.
0: And if you ha- if you grew up in the the way that I knew this song before I ever um watched this movie was from there's this old um SNL skit, I think from the eighties. Um where it's like those two lounge singers and they sing this song. And they're supposed to be like old lady lounge singers. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, every time that they were in, but every time they had a skit, they would sing this. Yeah. Um, Your nephew loves
1: this song, right? Yes. Yeah. And Judy Garland, I think. Yes. If I have that right. Yeah. It's uh-huh. pretty cute.
0: Yes. He loves, he loves this song very much.
1: It's catchy it's fun it's Mm -hmm. cute it's probably my favorite song in the movie although the boy next door might i like that one a lot as well um but you know again like it's just it's just a cute song
0: yeah it's fun and you know and her again her okay so she is not into the song at first and then because john's not there but then she sees that he's running after the Charlie, and he's going to get on right so she gets excited and all of her like characterizations throughout this song are so good
1: yeah, they're great, but then like he's finally on, and she stops singing. Like yeah. she locks up, she tenses, and yeah, I guess plays it cool right. once again. Um, so then we move into autumn.
0: Yeah, it's autumn and it's Halloween.
1: Okay, so <laughs> early nineteen hundreds Halloween was different. Very
0: different. <laughs> this was a. Uh, Culture shock. It was... For sure.
1: It was a lot darker. Yes. Um. I think this must have just been a generational thing. Like, kids were...
0: Rioting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so I did a little bit of research on 1900s Halloween.
0: Uh-huh.
1: First of all, there's no cute costumes. Like They're all
0: kind of dressed the same, which is like... It looks like, you know, people's old clothes that they put into, like, a costume costume. Right, but they're something. not
1: trying to be, like, you know, a kitten or right. a ladybug. They're like They're
0: all just dressed like tattered. They say that they're ghosts. And yeah. in particular, Tootie is a drunk ghost. <laughs>
1: yeah, Agnes is a horrible ghost. And Tootie is a drunken ghost. But they really just look like um, hobos. Yes. But then there's a little boy outside sort of leading the bonfire and he's like a woman with a mustache right. and a green boa yeah so I don't know what he was yeah
0: I mean it just seems like they all just like pick whatever out of the out of the costume trunk or yeah whatever, which is just like people's old clothes
1: I think so I think it was either that or if there was and, and I'm saying this generally about back then if there was a planned costume it was something that it, it, yeah it was a dark something right. or other something right. spooky yeah you know it wasn't there was nothing cute about halloween yeah
0: and i mean i guess tootie has like a fake nose or something but most of them have like mustaches i don't really understand i mean i don't get yeah.
1: it yeah <laughs> but so back then and we see this in the kids in the movie um there was no treat component to halloween yet That's it was all, all about tricks
0: and setting fires yeah <laughs>
1: It was a controlled fire.
0: Yeah.
1: Kind of. Um, so in this movie and, and this happened in real life too, they would go around to the neighbors' houses and throw flour yes. in the neighbors' faces. And so before Tootie and Agnes leave the house, like grandpa shows up with these two sacks, which I thought were gonna be for the candy. No, no, no. It is the flour for them to throw at the neighbors. Yes. And then the mama's like, just not too much flour. Uh-huh. And they promise it'll just be one handful right in the face. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, that was a thing you did. You And just Grandpa went to said, house, if you it was, wet
0: it, it'll stick to him. Yes.
1: <laughs> and then the kids refer to it as, like, hit jobs. They're like, go kill them. Yes. And they're just talking about the flour, but the imagery that yeah. they use is, is a them. lot. Yeah. And, uh, and another important part of it is you have to tell the person that you hate them. Yes. And <laughs> uh, that would upset me. Yeah. Like, the flower would be odd, but if a little kid just knocked on my door and said, I hate you, <laughs> yes. I yeah, it would be um, shocking yes. and hurtful. Yes. So around mid-century, around the time that this movie came out, Adults, as a country, uh-huh. adults decided to take back Halloween. Yes. Because the kids were getting out of control. <laughs> um, a, a few uh, municipalities, like I know Chicago, um, they actually absolved Halloween and replaced it with, um, let me see, they called it Conservation Day Day. Uh, then in 1950, the Senate Judici- Judiciary Committee they voted to change Halloween to Youth Honor Day, um, <laughs> with the goal being to uh, cultivate the moral fiber of America's youth. Yeah. Um, but the tradition that caught on and stuck—the tradition of today, trick or treating. That had actually already started gaining traction. It first appeared in a magazine in the late 1930s. And by 1952, Disney had made a Donald Duck cartoon called Trick or Treat or Donald Uh Duck Trick or Treats or something. Um, And at the time that adults were trying to get it to catch on, they looked at it as the best of both worlds. Like, number one, it keeps the kid from throwing flour in our faces. Uh And number two... We can, you know, hopefully try to teach them manners, yes. you know, by nicely asking for candy. Right. Trick or treat, please. Mm-hmm. Which isn't exactly how it's done today, but I think we can all agree it's better than children run bonfires <laughs> and flour in your face.
0: I mean, it's clear that, like, that the adults know that this on this night, like, the kids are going to be running the streets and, like grandpa was like i wouldn't go out tonight mm-hmm. you know like so i wouldn't I, either no well, I mean, i
1: think kids are terrifying now Whew. i
0: yeah. don't want
1: to hang out with a 1903 kid on halloween no um so anyways the kids are yeah outside having this bonfire and everybody is too afraid to go to the brockoff's right house because they're, they're the meanest right
0: they're like you know the the scary people in the neighborhood that they all the kids have rumors about
1: Agnes or Tootie I think it's Tootie swears that she saw Mr. Brockoff in the cellar um killing cats
0: uh-huh. burning
1: them and then beating his wife with a red hot poker
0: yes oh my god
1: <laughs> I know this is none of this is appropriate <laughs> for a girl of 5 years uh-huh Five years of age,
0: and she out of this group of kids, Tootie is like the youngest. So they she's
1: the youngest and the bravest. Yes,
0: and so they all keep trying to like leave her behind and not let her participate, and she's like, you know what, I'm gonna go get Miss the get Mr. the brock off. Yes. Yeah,
1: and so they finally relent and they let her do it, and mm-hmm. she she's terrified, and and she does it. Mm-hmm. He opens the door. And she throws a big handful of she flour says, at him. I
0: hate you, Mister
1: Brockoff. And he's just like, oh, okay.
0: And once she runs off, he like kind of has this like, oh kids, oh, kids. <laughs> kind of look on like, his face.
1: He, I think he probably has that role of like being the scary neighbor, and he knows the kids are afraid of him, and he kind of likes it that way.
0: Yeah, I would. Know? I would. I would have preferred it that way, too. Yeah, yeah, same. I'm ready
1: to be the neighborhood witch.
0: (laughs) So she goes back to the kids and she says, I killed him. I killed Mr. Brockoff.
1: Yeah, and then they declare her the most horrible. (laughs) And then they let her throw more furniture on the fire. Yes. Um, So then Rose comes home. We cut back to house, the house. Uh Rose comes home, um, and she's gotten a ride from Colonel Darley. Yeah. And um, she invites him in, but he's not into it.
0: Yeah.
1: He doesn't seem interested really at all. No. Just a nice guy. But
0: Esther still seems to think it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean... There's only, it's only so often you get to ride in a car with with a colonel. Yeah. Yeah. Or not a car. I guess it's a carriage. Yeah. It is a carriage because remember those two Dalmatians?
0: Oh. Mm -mm.
1: Oh, well, there's two Dalmatians that run with the carriage. They're carriage dogs. Cute. Yeah. If you go on Wikipedia, it says their job was to protect the rider from banditry. Oh. Yeah. So there you go. Interesting. Dalmatians. Uh huh. Um, so she invites him in. He says no. She goes inside. She's with Anna and Esther, I believe. When yeah. they hear a blood curdling scream,
0: mm-hmm. and they know that it's two D, and they're like, and they hear the trolley too or something. something. It seems yeah. like they know that she's that she's been like hit by the trolley or something.
1: The layout is not the layout of this town is not clear. Yeah, but yeah, they know the trolley's involved somehow. So that's where they go mm-hmm. to try and find her. Um, they do find her, and she claims that she was beaten up by one Mister John Truitt. Uh-huh. Whoa!
0: Yeah,
1: uh, but she does not explain why, but she says he tried to kill her. Yeah,
0: she just keeps saying he tried to kill me. <laughs> like,
1: okay, um, she, uh, she's something else I appreciate she's about a her.
0: Psychopath.
1: She's a, yeah, no, she is okay. The lying about Mister Truitt—that is not normal behavior. Yeah. Uh, Lying might be, but telling them that their neighbor tried to kill her is not normal. Right. Um, But the way she acts when the doctor is checking up on her, like, that is very much, like, that's how a five-year-old acts. And when the doctor
0: is checking on her, um, he says she doesn't have any broken bones, but he opens her hand and she has someone's hair. a
1: clump of hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which, actually, I kind of forgot about that. And that makes the actual story a little bit weirder. Yeah. Where did that hair come from?
0: So, so because
1: it's revealed that I mean, of course he didn't. No, John Truitt yeah. didn't try to beat well, up Tootie. Yeah, but
0: Esther goes and to tries to beat him. him up. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, she just like immediately accepts. I mean, she questions it a little bit, but when she sees the clump of hair, yeah, in Tootie's hand, she's like, oh, yeah. well. If she has this hair, like, clearly yeah. it must be true. So she goes and, like, wails on John Truett And, and bites him. Bites him. Yeah. And leaves. But when she comes back, um, it is revealed that,
0: that... That Tootie and Agnes have tried to derail the trolley. The trolley. By, yeah. by putting... Uh, they stuffed a dress with hay or something to make it look like a woman.
1: Yeah. A um, live one, I think they say. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, and I don't know, so, but John was involved somehow, right? Like, he...
1: He sees the police coming, and so he, like, pulls Tootie into an alley, and was like, come with me, come with me, He's... so that she doesn't get caught by the police. Right.
0: So, so he, like, saved them from yeah. being caught, and then yeah. she blamed, says that he tried to kill her?
1: And doesn't explain why at all, and then the rest of the family just says, like, don't you tell a fib like that again, and gives her cake and ice cream.
0: Yeah. What? <laughs> they're just—they're just laughing about it, that she just—that the kids just tried to, basically, kill a whole trolley of people. Right. I, I, uh, it's
1: not. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's insane. Um, but before <laughs> before we get to all of that, it is cute when. <laughs> Mrs. Smith is carrying Tootie downstairs to have cake and ice cream and she says, here comes the invalid. (laughs) I I think that's how she gets away with all of this. It's like she does one psychopathic thing Mm -hmm. and then she says something adorable. Yes. Let it go. (laughs) It is out there. It's wild. She
0: is not punished for this. At, at all. No. They just said, well, don't do it again.
1: Yeah. Um. Thankfully, you know, it turns out John Truitt's pretty cool about it, and he lets it go. hmm um,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, so Esther goes to apologize to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he shows her all the places that he was injured from her beating him up.
1: But we skipped over a very big moment. Oh, okay. Um, Alonzo comes home. Oh, right. And announces to the family that he's being transferred to New York, and the women of the family are not happy about
0: it. Oh, wait. No, no. Oh, that's after she apologizes to him. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. He apologizes so, because I wanted to talk about this one line. He she apologizes to him. He shows her like his injuries or whatever, and she and he says, "It's no worth. It's no worse than football practice, except it's better with a girl."
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh right. And then she says to him at the end, like she takes his words and twists them around and says, "You've got a really nice grip for, for a boy.
0: boy." Yes. Ooh. They make plans to you know get together at a later time, and he he asks her. To he was like, Maybe you could help me put out my lamps. And oh she, and yeah. And she's like, Oh, they're already out and and then they kiss. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Like they've run out of flirtatious yes. like little <laughs> quits to, to say to each other. Um you're right. Cause then she goes back home and that's what makes the news of moving to New York that much harder.
0: Yes. Um just as
1: everything's falling in line.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Dad is like,
0: Nope. Yeah. Blow it up. I got a position in New York permanently a
1: transfer which is weird Mm because like that's not that's not how legal practice works but whatever (laughs) um (laughs) so anna and the other girls are pissed um although agnes Agnes is ready agnes is ready to pack yeah they take it as (laughs) dry judy just says it's gonna take me a week at least to dig up all my dead dolls (laughs) better get started um and then the dad is like shocked that they aren't just, like, jumping up and down and praising him. Like, thank you for making us money, right. Father. Mm-hmm. He's upset, and it says he's being treated like a criminal. Right. Um, and he doesn't understand why nobody wants to eat these enormous pieces of cake. Yes. He's uh, he's exhausting to mm-hmm. me, honestly. I do not like Mr. Alonzo Smith Sr. Right. Not Well, it's one of those
0: characters that's like, pretty horrible and then your heart is supposed to be warmed when they do like the smallest nice thing you know yeah
1: it's like you know what you're no you're no captain von Trapp. yeah just cool it but he is a good singer
0: yes so he so um anna at this point is like she's relenting to it you know and she she goes and sits at the piano and starts playing this song he starts singing along and it's very high Mm -hmm. she's like I'll put it in your key. <laughs> yeah. Like a
1: subtle burn.
0: So he's singing, and the song is pretty. It's called You and I. And this is making the kids, you know, happier. They like to hear them. They like to hear the parents singing and playing together, and they all slowly come back downstairs and, yeah. have, and have cake.
1: I Yeah, I just took it as, like, they're like, eh, I guess we don't hate them. Mm-hmm. Like, All right, that cake did look good. <laughs> like they're still pretty. They don't look happy, but they're you know like okay we'll be a family. Yeah. Um. So then we enter winter
0: 1903,
1: mm-hmm. and um the girls are outside building snow people in the yard, and they're making fun of Lonnie because he has a crush. Yes. On Miss Lucille Ballard, an Eastern girl. Oh. Ooh. Um, but apparently,
0: Eastern U.S. Not like
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like New York. Yeah, she's from New York. Yeah, um, <laughs> she's a city girl. <laughs> um, but apparently, she and Warren Sheffield have become an item,
0: and they're going to the Christmas dance,
1: the big Christmas dance together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're picking on on Lonnie about that,
0: um, um, and the, they have a this female snowman they're like right like we made this one it's (laughs) Lucille. yeah
1: this one's named Lucille ballard um and then uh so they're talking about the dance and how lonnie and rose don't have anyone to go with so katie suggests well why don't lonnie why don't you escort rose was
0: this weird to you
1: i i think not back
0: then i'm sure it wasn't but just the way that they were like I wouldn't know. I didn't know that you would want to go with me. And he's like, "Oh, go! Of course I would." Like it was very. It was strangely I th- flirtatious. That, I,
1: I looked at it differently because I think he says like, "You know, I would have, I would have eventually asked if you want." I think I don't know. I didn't see it weird. Yeah. Um Because later there's another mention of how Rose says like, "It's fine if one sister goes with Lonnie, but like both of us, that's pathetic." Right. You know there are limitations. Right. Um. And you know, Rose, of course, winds up going with her grandfather. I think it was really no, just about Esther does. or Esther does. Yeah, I think it was really just about like a woman could not go Alone. without a man. Right,
0: without an escort.
1: Yeah, just any man will do. Yes, apparently.
0: Um. So they so eventually Rose agrees to go with Lon Jr. Um. And then they, uh, Rose and Esther, are putting their corsets on, and Esther's not into it
1: yeah because I mean she ties it so tight that like she can't move yeah
0: she can't even sit down,,
1: <sighs> but they say, we need all the allure we can get <laughs> to compete with this city uh-huh. girl. they do say Eastern girl, but
0: when is it that they concoct the plan about sabotaging her dance card
1: like right before they get there oh, okay um there's also another great line from one of these psychopathic children. <laughs> Agnes is in the room with Rose as they're getting ready, I believe. And she asks, what am I getting for Christmas? I hope it's a hunting knife.
0: (laughs) All right. So anyway.
1: uh, Um, But yeah, no. So uh, uh, the reason Agnes came in was to tell Esther there's somebody downstairs to see you. It's yes. Lonnie.
0: He uh, is there to tell John her. Pruitt.
1: John Pruitt. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the names confused. I I actually thought that John and Lonnie looked look, too they, similar. Yeah, they
0: look too much alike. Yeah. Um I thought that too. It's very similar hair and
1: It just creates unnecessary
0: confusion. Yeah.
1: Um but so John Truitt is John down John Truitt. Right. Yeah. is downstairs. <laughs> and he tells Esther that he can't take her because he has one or one tuxedo and he didn't make it to the dry cleaners in time because
0: he was at he was playing basketball shooting Mm -hmm.
1: hoops um she is heartbroken
0: and he said don't be mad at me she's like i'm not mad at you i'm mad at basketball
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i'd be mad at him like you knew to plan for this why didn't you pick it up the day before why are you doing everything last minute Uh come on john but she she's just sad because she loves them and wants to hang out with him before she moves to New York. Um,
0: so she goes upstairs and throws herself on the bed.
1: And that's when Grandpa comes in mm-hmm. and he saves the day. Um, he just says to her something like, you know, I've got a tuxedo that I haven't taken out in a while and tuxedos need to be taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, what's funny is I... When I watched this, I thought that he was, was saying gonna, he's going to give it yeah, to John. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're at the dance and Grandpa's there. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize older people were going to this. Mm-hmm. Where's John? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wait, no. he It's Grandpa. Yes. Wearing his tuxedo. Yes. I was also kind of hoping... <clears throat> Okay, do you remember Mrs. Smith's dress in this scene? You only see it for like three seconds. No. But it's beautiful. Yeah. It's like emerald green, it's Christmas colors. She looks like a peacock in a good way, Yeah, and I thought that was like her dance dress, but she didn't go. I didn't and- go? No. Oh.
0: So she was just dressed up She for- has
1: really nice dresses. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Um,
0: Beautiful dresses.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wrote it down as one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. Um, So anyways, uh, Grandpa takes her to the dance, and this is where somehow they, like... (sighs) Esther and Rose steal Lucille's dance card, Uh or they use Esther's dance card to write down the names of, like, all of the loser boys. Right. And then they're gonna... they're, They're just trying to set Lucille up with a bunch of, like...
0: Right. Because Real they're mad at her for stinkers. going to the dance with Warren.
1: Right. Like their goal is to ruin her night. Yes. I just just
0: And when she's when she shows up, she is just the sweetest.
1: Yeah. Girl. She's super nice. So she invites Esther. She says she'll throw Esther a party when they make it up to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and she and with Rose, she does a big thing. Yeah. She acknowledges what they all know to be the truth.
0: She's she. I mean, she was one who was brave enough to say it. Yeah. No one else. She's will. like,
1: look, Warren is going to talk about Rose all night. Why aren't you guys here together? Right. And I guess that means I gotta hang out with Lon over here. Yeah. It's
0: like I wanted to hang out with Lon anyway.
1: Yeah. So Rose tells Esther the plans have changed, mm-hmm. um, and Karma hits hits Esther, and she gets stuck dancing with all the loser boys. Uh huh.
0: And, and Lus- they are
1: losers indeed.
0: And Lucille gets um, a her wonderful dance card that starts with Lon.
1: Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually Grandpa rescues. Esther, from one of her terrible dances. Who are all
0: just flinging her around the dance floor. Oh, God,
1: they're awful. And the last (laughs) one looks like he's about 12 years old. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Grandpa rescues her. And I guess this is a little um, surprise that he and John have Mm. planned out, because I think they go behind a big Christmas tree. And and and, Grandpa,
0: when they're dancing, is moving very limberly. Yeah. He's flying across that dance floor. And this was actually a cool cool scene <laughs>
1: like, this was a cool grandpa
0: this a cool grandpa <laughs>
1: <laughs> He no this was like the actor was an actual cool grandpa <laughs> and you can see it
0: <laughs> so um, they're dancing across the across the room they go behind this they dance behind this huge Christmas tree and when they emerge it's Esther and John
1: right Yay! Yay,
0: yeah, he's there. He
1: got a tuxedo. Somehow. Yeah. It does.
0: They don't explain it, but... <laughs> Turns out a, but it a, wasn't that hard. But Grandpa had time to work all this out. <laughs> right. <laughs> um,
1: and so they go outside after their dance, and finally John asks Esther to marry him. Uh-huh. And she says yes, but it's kind of like... They both know that it's, it may not be
0: real. Right. Well, it, we, we come into the scene after he's done it. Yeah. And so you don't exactly know what happened. And, she's
1: crying. Um, yeah. And yeah.
0: And she's like, I, I thought that you'd say it, but I didn't know if you would. And you know, like. I
1: didn't think I would cry like this. Right. But the answer is yes. Um, but she does acknowledge that she's probably still going to go to New York and that they're going to have to work right. something out. But because at first, it, they're, they're on board. At first,
0: they're like, now you can stay, you don't have to go. And she was like, "Well, maybe do you think we can still work it out if I go?"
1: Well, cuz he was going to go to college too. Right. And I think she just she doesn't want to just, you know, uproot everything all of a sudden.
0: Right. Um and it's I mean and that it's made more clear what her decision is. I mean, she she's obviously grappling with what she's going to do and once yeah. and once she goes up after the dance and talks to Tootie, it's very clear that she's going to um go with the family yeah yeah
1: she's not gonna yeah she's still part of the family yeah she goes home and she finds tootie uh is waiting up for santa yeah this is when she sings have yourself a merry little christmas yes i have a couple notes about this scene yeah the first is can you believe that there were original lyrics for this that were deemed too sad.
0: Yes, and even <laughs> and the lyrics that they kept in the movie are
1: pretty sad.
0: Are, are even more sad than the version that we have
1: right now. The line about muddling through somehow yeah. is not. It's
0: not hang- common
1: yeah. today. Now
0: it's hang a shining star upon the highest bow. and in the movie it's until then we'll have to muddle through somehow.
1: So the original line that they cut out because Judy Garland was like, "No, this yeah. is too much." It goes, um, "Have yourself a merry little Christmas." It, it may, may be, be our last. last. Yes. <laughs> Next year we may all be living in the past. Uh huh. Um, it may be your last. Is just like very ominous. Yeah. Um.
0: And anyways, Margaret O'Brien, who played Tootie, attributed those those changes to Judy Garland, and yeah, even, and even said that like. What ended up being the lyrics were, you know, Judy Garland's idea, that she helped in writing them.
1: It's uh, it is a beautiful song. It is a sad song. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I knew it was coming in this movie, and I. Was slightly afraid of it because I thought it was gonna be super sad. Yeah. And it's really not. No. The song is sad, but like the occasion yeah. of this song, it's kind kind of sad. But right. you know. Like you said before, there's no real stakes in this. No. So you're just sort of like whatever. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she sings along with this wind up music box with the creepy like an, monkeys like on top orga, like
0: an organ grinder yeah. yeah. It
1: looks like the one from um <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Kind of. Um and those are always creepy?
0: I think we know them now to be like kind of creepy things, but it, in this context it's like a kid's music box, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. But um so it becomes clear that she is not only singing this song, you know, she's Coming to the realization that she is going to New York, mm-hmm. um, so she's not only singing this song to to Tootie, but you know, to for, herself. Her, for herself, yeah.
1: Tootie, however, is overcome with emotion, and she runs outside, and because she is a demon child, <laughs> she starts destroying all of the snow people because she says, "I would rather have them dead." Then stay here without me. Yeah. Then leave them behind for another person to enjoy. Well,
0: because Esther had told her, like, you can bring all of your things. And, like, as a joke, she said, you just can't bring the snow people. Right. She's like, I can't bring my snow people.
1: (laughs) And and also, listen, I'm glad that these weren't made of asbestos, because that would have been really bad for Margaret Mm O'Brien. But they're clearly made out of (laughs) foam. Like, they break apart in chunks.
0: Yes. (laughs) It's not snow.
1: It's not it doesn't even slightly resemble snow.
0: <laughs> but it might have also been asbestos. You know? I,
1: uh, yeah. Packed in real tight. Right. I understand they're working with the best that they have, but right. I, I would have just dropped that scene if yeah. if not having real snowmen weren't an option. Right. Um but anyway, so Alonzo Sr. is watching all of this happen yes. and it finally hits him that he cannot uproot his daughter's yeah. And move them to New York.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, oh, and he decides for, okay, like, what time of night is it? Because she's just gotten back from the dance, so it can't be that super late. Yes. But it's still late enough for everyone else to be in bed. Right. But not so late that Alonzo um, opts out of waking up the whole house. Right. <laughs> to announce that they're not going to leave. It's like, that would have been a really nice Christmas morning surprise. Uh, right. You know?
0: Uh, but uh, uh, but they do say so. It must be around midnight because once once he makes the announcement, Rose goes, "Oh, right, it's Christmas."
1: Yeah, they start opening presents. Yeah. I mean maybe they're one of those families. Yeah. that like wakes up at midnight. I know some people do that.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think I don't think so because they're trying to get her to go to bed so that Santa will come.
1: Yeah, no, they're. I mean they're not. I'm just yeah. trying to come up with something. Right. Uh, it seems rude. I would have been, <laughs> I would have been like, you, you couldn't wait five, six hours to tell us right. this. Um, but anyway. Um, oh, and also, an- this is another weird thing. This is when Warren shows up. Oh, right. Out of the blue. I guess he saw the lights on and thought, I'll just barge in the door. Yeah. But he, du- he barges in and he's tells Rose, we're getting married, and I don't want to hear anything about it. Yeah, it's not a proposal. and he leaves. Yeah. She's like, Great. like
0: Just points at her, like, we're getting married.
1: I mean, I know it's what she wanted, so right. yay. Sure. But sheesh. <laughs> All right, so we finally make it, we have a lovely Christmas, mm-hmm. and we make it to spring. Yeah,
0: so now the family is staying.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Esther is engaged, and Rose is engaged. Right. Everything has worked out to plan
1: yeah um and the house in springtime is just gorgeous
0: so beautiful ah. and they're all in their like white frilly spring dresses
1: once again anna mrs smith has the best one mm-hmm. it's it's gorgeous yeah it's a little too lacy for me but you know if you have to wear a white dress yeah um for That's the world's fair right i'd wear that one um so yeah they all go to the exposition and um, they watch. I learned later, the so they're all standing around, mm-hmm. just you know, doing fair things, eating cotton candy. Yeah. Um, and they watch what was called the Electric Palace. Yeah. They watch it light up, and they say something about how great St. Louis is. Uh-huh.
0: Can you believe this is here
1: in our home?
0: Right. Yeah. Right. And the last line of the the, the movie is Judy Garland saying right here in St. Louis.
1: Yeah, it's a great advertisement yeah. for St. Louis. Uh-huh. Like I don't know if they were doing this back then, but I wouldn't be surprised if St. Louis
0: funded this movie. Right. Um
1: That's it. Yeah,
0: and that and it ends. Yeah, and I, I mean uh, electricity was fairly it's pretty new, new at the time, you know. Yeah. Because there I feel like there were some in their house, it seemed like there were some electric lights.
1: They had like one mostly, chandelier that was half and half. Yeah,
0: but it was mostly gas.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, they had a telephone. Yeah. That was probably, I don't know. With that, I feel like that would have been a bigger deal than electric lights. I, I just keep thinking about Downton Abbey because the very first episode is in 1912.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Wait, it first... is a huge deal that they've gotten electricity in their old British house. Right.
0: Um. Yeah, because the first doesn't the first season of Doubt and Happy happens like right after the Titanic sinks or something. Yeah, so.
1: it's like the very next morning. Right.
0: Because,
1: okay. yeah, because Patrick Crawley was on the Titanic. Oh no, who's gonna inherit the estate?
0: Right. 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 Right.
1: There's a new one coming out soon. I can't wait. Anyways, uh-huh. okay. Um, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And, yeah, like we said before, there's nothing really wrong with it. Nothing yeah. Really.
0: But it leaves Amazing you with, like, it, feeling, but it's nice. like, leaves you feeling good. Everyone gets what they want.
1: It's fine. Yeah. Um, so, do we, do you have any, like, little, I don't know,
0: like... I have some little tidbits.
1: Yeah, little tidbits we didn't um, touch on.
0: So, let's see. Um, we were talking about how it was based on the short story and an eventual novel by Sally Benson. Um... That came out between 1941 and 1942, so I mean it's a pretty quick turnaround.
1: Yeah, and to the what movie. what were those stories called?
0: It was called the it was the address. The address, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: something something Kensington. Five
0: one. It's in the lyric of the song too. Five one three five Kensington. Yes,
1: and he lives at five one three three. Right. Kensington. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's in the Boy Next Door, right? Um, and it was, yeah, it was a series of uh, essays in The New Yorker. mm mm-hmm. um, Let's see. It was published by Random House. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I also, uh, there was this um, L.A. Times article uh, by Susan King in the L.A. Times um, that was an interview with Margaret O'Brien. It happened pretty recently. Um, Yeah,
1: she's still alive, uh I was surprised to find. That's awesome.
0: And she became, I mean, she was in a lot of things. Um,
1: Big child actress. It's
0: funny that you brought up Little Women, because she was in...
1: Yeah, she was. I saw that.
0: Yeah, she was in Little Women.
1: Did she play... um, Amy? Amy, yeah. I think so. She must have, because it wasn't that long after this. No, no.
0: It was in... um, Yeah, because it was like Catherine Hepburn um what's her name uh olivia de Havilland, right
1: i never saw that one i
0: haven't seen it either Uh, anyway
1: we've got two really good ones yes
0: Uh, who needs another (laughs) um so she had some some very uh cool things to say uh she said that uh this was an exact an exact quote she said judy was so much fun to be with on set uh that she was making me laugh uh wait Judy was so much fun to be with on the set that she was making me laugh before the scene. Okay.
1: Judy was fun to be with. <laughs> One more time.
0: I I can't get this right. I mean, I'm just reading what it said. Um, she, she was basically saying that she was making her laugh.
1: Judy uh, was fun to be around. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, let's see there. And there's this. There was this old Hollywood lore that uh, Vincent Minnelli. Got O'Brien that he got her to cry by telling her that her dog was sick, <laughs> but she said that that was not the case. Good. Um, uh, basically, she said that her mother would ne- never have let that happen. She said she says I'll tell you how they got me to cry. Uh, she was she said that she was in a context with uh, excuse me she was in a contest with June Allison who was another child actress at the time with uh, MGM. Who was the best crier, and she wanted to have a contest with her to see if she could cry better. Okay. Um so that was her motivation to cry. It's a
1: healthy competition. Uh-huh. And she
0: was she's and she said the reason that she cried because was because she didn't want June Allison to be better than her. Like, right. she was thinking about June Allison being better than her.
1: Yeah. She probably murdered that girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with a hunting knife. Um so, uh, but Also, she ended up getting uh, what was called a Juvenile Oscar at the time for this role. Right, yeah, I saw that. Um, Let's see.
1: I think Judy Garland got one for, wasn't it? Oh, she got one for Wizard of Oz. For Wizard of Oz, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, There is, so a, a film historian named Jeremy Arnold said that this was an innovative movie musical at the time because it integrated the songs into the story more hmm. as far as like, not just being like that. They moved the plot along and had something to do with the story.
1: I mean, Wizard of Oz did that. I
0: know. I know. Yeah. I don't know. It Get out of here. So it's, he said it was less, less, it's not a Busby Berkeley stylized extravaganza. It's more natural. So okay, we all know who Busby Berkeley is, right?
1: Um, I don't.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she also talked about the lyric changes in uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and she says I don't think people realize that Judy put a lot of her own lyrics into that. Hmm. So I don't know if that's true or not, or if that's just her recollection of it. Um, she also says that her mother went to bat for her as far as pay for the role. Okay. Um, she thought that she wasn't getting paid enough, um, and basically, like, called Louis B. Mayer's bluff on firing her. Wow. And ended up getting more money.
1: Sounds like she had a good stage bomb. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Also, she said, and this is kind of known to be true in Hollywood lore as well now, but uh, she said uh, that Judy got a lot of rest on that movie set and it certainly showed. She was on time. She was very happy. She looked beautiful.
1: It's amazing what you can do when you're not forcing pills yeah. down a girl's throat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um And she said that they you know they they had Saturdays and Sundays off. They like it was just a good making this movie was a good experience for everybody.
1: And of course, Judy had a very different experience with this director um, than <laughs> she did with her directors in *Wizard of Oz*. So, I would say so. Um, I'm sure most people know uh, her. Hus- her second husband was Vincent Minnelli, uh-huh. the director of this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the relationship. I know they divorced in. The, they divorced in like,
0: '51.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: So they were only married. I think they got married in '46. Five or forty
1: six. Yeah, just a little bit. So they only this married movie. for like five
0: years, but it was long enough. No, she had. Oh, I think they were married in forty five. She had Liza in forty six. Yeah. Um.
1: And then they, yeah, they they divorced in the early fifties. Um, I don't think it. There was a lot of controversy. Yeah, I don't think involved. Th- um, he was quite a bit older than her. Right. Twenty something years older. Yeah, I think. Yeah,
0: she because she was twenty one at the time of filming.
1: Okay. Yeah, he was born in 1903,
0: so that would have was, made him yeah, he was 41. In his 40s. Yeah, oh, yes, yes, t- t- 41 and 21. I mean,
1: listen, there have for, been, for back f- then,
0: there have been worse, you know, yes.
1: like, yeah, not gonna complain about that yes. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so generally positive experience making this movie, yeah,
0: and um. It was the make it was the makeup artist whose name was um, Dorothy Ponadell um, and the director Rache minor um, who finally saw Judy how she want, wanted to be seen as like glamorous and they weren't trying to like change her features they because I noticed in this that her teeth looked Basically, she they let her. She had like these caps that she would wear on her teeth because her teeth were crooked, hmm. and they didn't do that in this movie. They thought I that, she was, that she was. didn't notice at all. That they thought that she was beautiful enough. Um,
1: yeah, clearly, I um, did not notice her teeth uh-huh. whatsoever.
0: And then she would wear, and she would wear nose discs to turn up her nose. Um, but they didn't have. I don't know what those are. What I think it's like something to like put in your nose. Oh
1: my gosh. Yeah. Where but, do I find one?
0: <laughs> um, but basically, it was they relied on her natural beauty for the first time. Um, so to and also to create a glamorous effect, while at the same time drawing attention to Garland's full lips and large brown eyes, ponadel Applied a bright red lip color and false lashes, both of which became staples of Garland's signature look from that point forward. Um, during filming, Minnelli used special lighting to display the results of Ponadell's handiwork effectively. Garland was very pleased with the results, and even more impressed when she attended a screening of the film and saw herself on screen, and later stated that working on this film was the first time she had ever felt beautiful. She would continue to work with Plaudel for the rest of her years at MGM.
1: Yeah, um, that goes along with a little bit of research I, I I did, or just something I found from I think he was the producer Arthur Freed. Yeah, he said originally she didn't want to do the movie, but at the premiere or after the premiere, she walked up to him and said, "Like, please remind me to not tell you yeah. what movies to make because right. she loved
0: it because she thought that she, she thought and I think MGM uh, Louis B Mayer thought this as well that um, it might be a bad idea to have her do, like, the girl-next-door young love thing because, I, you know, that had been her deal with Mickey Rooney and stuff, just mm-hmm. being the teenager. But it ended up that this movie was kind I mean, did the opposite and kind of launched her into more of an adult right. uh, career. Yeah. So
1: um academy award nominations yes quite a few no wins except for that juvenile award yeah but it's my understanding that that's not really a nomination kind of thing it's not a competition they they just pick someone yeah um so nominations included best adapted screenplay that went to frank cabot for going my way which was a big winner that year
0: yeah it was also i think it was also the top yeah. grossing movie that year
1: um other screenplays nominated were that for uh double indemnity
0: uh-huh.
1: gaslight and a movie called laura which i'm not familiar with oh about.
0: i know yeah laura
1: oh yeah laura i know her <laughs> laura um best cinematography uh this is interesting back then they they separated black and white and color movies oh okay um there were a bunch nominated that I didn't know, so I just wrote down the the num the winner was Leon Shamroy for Wilson.
0: Okay, don't know. Don't know about that.
1: Uh, best scoring of a musical picture. So this is wild. There were 13, no, 14 nominees for best scoring of a musical picture and they are different movies. Yeah. I mean, I know this was the golden so there, age, but so holy four, moly. So there
0: are 14 movie musicals, and those are only the ones that are nominated.
1: Right. Isn't
0: that crazy? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's crazy.
1: Um, the, winner, the winners were Morris Stoloff and Carmen Dragon. Uh-huh. What a name. For CoverGirl. Never heard of it. No. Um, yeah, and there were 13 others, including George Stoll for Meet Me in St. Louis. Yeah, uh, best song went to James Van Heusen and Johnny Burke for "Swinging on a Star." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that one either, but it was featured in Going My Way. And then uh, in that category, there were 11 other uh-huh. nominees, uh, including the Trolley Song. Sorry,
0: I was just remembering. <laughs> the Michael Jackson movie Ben <laughs> <laughs> about,
1: about his pet rat named Ben, ben. <laughs> uh, when did that come out the 80s is it too late to make that our movie <laughs> for the 1980s <laughs> let's talk about it let's talk about it um, okay so those are all of the, the notes that I have on Academy Award yeah. uh, like I said they didn't win anything except for margaret o'brien as uh the psychopathic 2d
0: yeah
1: um let's see i
0: think i don't know if i have anything i have
1: like one more note Uh about the music and the movie i just thought it was interesting that there was a song by rogers and hammerstein that was cut out oh yeah called boys and girls like you and me okay that's all i got though yeah Eh, i probably should have left that out (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, it's uh, interesting. That it was a Rodgers and Hammerstein song.
1: Would you like to hear just a little bit about the World's Fair? Sure. So um, in the movie, Quentin, the the kid at the trolley, he estimates that they're going to spend fifty million dollars on the World's Fair. Yeah, that was um a that was a little bit over. Yeah, it was actually fifteen million. That's Which at still least sounds, what still I mean. Sounds a, low I, fifty million for nineteen oh three would be insane. Yeah, yeah. insane.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, that being said, that's just like government funding, like from state and feds. So it could have cost fifty million. I mean, weren't
0: and are like world's fairs like um, funded by like donors of like corporations who wanted to like, or was that not till later on?
1: I mean, it's possible, but I mean the people. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I know that um, they had over sixty countries and forty-three of the forty-five states. Yeah. That existed at that time um, show up. I I kind of view it as like more of an Olympics type thing. Yeah. Where, because by um, the I don't time
0: because I I've done like a bunch of uh, like disney research and stuff and the by the time that like walt disney was interested in being involved in the world's fair it was the the world's fair was a place for like corporations to show off their new inventions or like new cars and new technology and stuff like that but it was sponsored by different corporations and that's how he got involved with like monsanto and united airlines or american airlines and all that kind of stuff and that It's a bummer. Uh huh.
1: Um, okay. Well, ignore all of that. I don't think this one was corporate sponsored. Okay. Um. Okay. So, uh, it's in 1904. They'd meant to do it in 1903 to celebrate the centennial of the Louisiana Purchase, mm-hmm. but in order to get more participation, they had to, de- to delay it a little bit. So they. But they it had- was
0: called the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, right?
1: Um something like that. Yeah. Quit asking questions I don't know the answer okay. to. Okay. <laughs> um just listen. Okay. Okay. Um so I mentioned that they had the electric palace. Yeah. And they had a bunch of inventions on display in there that were uh, very early versions of a lot of stuff that we use today, Mm -hmm. uh, including the x-ray machine was debuted at this World's Fair. Cool. There was also um, a device created by Alexander Graham Bell called the wireless telephony, which is basically what it sounds like. It was a way to transmit um, communication to another device Remotely, basically. Yeah. Um. So that wound up becoming, uh, radio and telephone. Yeah. And then, um, they also had an early version of a fax machine. Uh, and they had a bunch of other stuff too. It's it's pretty cool the kind of stuff they do at these. Um, W. E. Goldsboro was the chief of the Department of Electricity for the fair, uh-huh. and he said he really just wanted to educate people and dispel the many myths about electricity that were around at that time, right? Yeah, a lot of people were kind of like scared of electric power in homes. Yeah, like I know that and that's the thing on Downton Abbey. I I don't know. I think people thought they would get shocked, or yeah. it just seemed unnatural. Like, why would anyone need electric light in their home? That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I guess I mean it makes sense. I mean, and it, I, I it was responsible for many a fire, I'm sure, but yeah, I mean, it still is technically. Yeah.
1: Um. That's all I really have for the World's Fair. I do have one more little bit of trivia, but it is not related to this movie, so I will save it. Uh, if you have anything,
0: I uh, that's uh, that's all I have. Okay. Well, um, um, I didn't really do recasting because it's like forget it. Yeah,
1: I don't do it either. I don't want to see this movie remade.
0: No. And it's just like, it's a bunch of teenagers again, and we don't... I
1: know, I'm so tired of trying to come up with young people. Yeah, I just... Uh, Olivia Rodrigo.
0: <laughs> like, whatever. Zendaya.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, last piece of trivia. This came up last time. I feel bad about it, because I wasn't laughing at a kid dying. It was just... We kind of chuckled over the term congestion of the brain. Yes. Because we didn't know what that meant.
0: Right. Oh, did you look it up? I looked it up. Okay.
1: It's what we would call today uh, cerebral edema. Okay. Which is basically a buildup of fluids that leads to intracranial pressure. And I'm not saying that this happened, but a common way it happens is through trauma.
0: Yeah. Through an injury. Yeah. 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 So
1: that is um, congestion of the brain. Mystery solved.
0: Uh-huh. As to how...
1: Someone's baby
0: died. Yeah, it was the the author of um, Wizard of Oz's wife's niece. Yes. Named Dorothy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> we're not laughing at her again. We're not.
1: We're <laughs> not. It's not funny. But
0: <laughs> well, I think that's all we have for Meet Me in St. Louis. This is our second annual Christmas episode.
1: Yeah, are we really going to end it on... <laughs> I should have said that up front. <laughs> It's too late now. Merry Christmas, everybody.
0: As always, thank you to We Own This Town.
1: And you can catch us on Instagram at The Hills Are Alive Pod.
0: Thanks, y'all. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs>